0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Last week, Pastor Rod talked about this element of self-examination and and fruit-bearing. He tied those two together, and years ago I heard a quote. And I don't know exactly who the quote is attributed to, but the quote says this, an unexamined life is not worth living. An unexamined life is not worth living. So that seemed to be kind of the tenor of Pastor Rod's message last week. And he asked this question of what is, what is hindering us from bearing more fruit for God? I think it's a relevant question. And I think if you would say, hey, I, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm on board with Jesus. I'm a devoted follower. If, if you would consider yourself that person. I would ask you to consider the same question, what is it about our lives that keeps us from bearing fruit? And one of the responses that uh, that I know Pastor Rod talked about was being too busy, right? Busy with kind of non-essential things. And maybe you felt that in your life, right? I mean, you've been busy with some important things, right? Maybe you're raising kids or the grandkids are part of your life, or you remember those days, or those are your days now. You're like, man, I'm just busy. There's a lot going on. And and Pastor Rod mentioned this element of being so busy with the non-essentials of life. I think we could call it like the the spinning plate syndrome. It, you know that, right? The, the spinning plate syndrome. In fact. Uh, I'm going to show you a little picture of my life uh, about a month and a half ago. Stuart, can you can you roll that? This, this is what it looked like about a month and a half ago. You've been there, right, where you thought, you know what? Spinning is winning. Yeah, the, the more I spin, the more I win. And and how many of you have had a, a time like that in your life? You're like, man, this is just crazy. It is a plate spinning contest, and I'm losing. Here's what I know about plate spinning eventually, that becomes a mess. Eventually, at some point, if that's your thing, and some of us are like, man, I'm a, I'm great at plate spinning, and you may be. You may be good, but, but I would just caution you to let you know that eventually, plate, splint, plate spinning, it's not easy to say, usually ends up in some kind of mess in our lives. And so, just a little bit about my journey for the next few weeks. I'm just going to Tell you a little bit about what I think, maybe God said to to Sharon and I over the last uh, three weeks as we were away, and 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 it was a period of of self-examination, and and it was a period where we took a time in our life, and, and and there was reflection, and 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 we tried to dial in exactly what would moving forward look like for her and I, because life is short, agreed, life moves fast, and before you and I ever realize that we begin to realize, hey, I'm coming at least toward the end of life. It, it wasn't a midlife crisis. It was more like a three-quarter life crisis, right? And so you think about what's next. And so we just took some time away. It was not a pure sabbatical. It, it, it wasn't time off. It was time away. So all of this is found in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul gives us this The stark warning about our lives. Notice what he says. He says that we are to be careful how that we live our lives. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Making the most of every opportunity because these are evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Would you say that with me? Don't act thoughtlessly. Notice what he says but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So this conversation this weekend is kind of based upon this element of be careful how you live, live with wisdom, make the most of every opportunity, and do not act thoughtlessly. Life is too important. Life is too short. Life is a gift that God has given us, and so certainly we don't want to squander what he's giving us, the time, the opportunities, the relationships. And so, as, as my wife and I got away from time to time, we began to, to talk through this, and, and, and I did a lot of journaling. I did a lot of writing. And I know in my own spiritual journey, the most uh, meaningful, memorable way for me to pray is to write that prayer. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I, I want to be in prayer, and I start praying, and, and I think about snow in Colorado, or, or I think about, uh, you know, all these crazy, is that you as well? You're like, hey, I'm going to pray this out, man. And you, you stop to pray, and your mind just wonders. And so one of the things that I've learned in my life is, hey, take a moment, and as you pray, write that Prayer. Write it out. And and that way you not only are, are, are more focused on that praying, but it actually you you actually have it on paper in case you want to go back and look at it. And so on February the fifteenth uh, of this year, I, I took an early morning and and I just said I'm I'm gonna write and I'm gonna pray a little bit. And I was in a Starbucks. I seem to write better with a little latte in me. I don't know about you guys. And and so I was just writing and 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 I didn't know what I was gonna say or what I was gonna pray and and the first thing that came to my mind that's in my journal is that I just st- stopped for a moment, and and I was actually looking out over the ocean. And, no, I don't have a condo in Huntington. I was somewhere else, all right? But I looked out over the ocean, and I was sitting in a coffee shop, and and, and the goodness of God just, I don't know, it, it just it began to overflow. And I, God reminded me of how good He really is. I didn't know that was the conversation that morning, but... Obviously, God wanted to remind me and teach me and show me that that he is good. And so I began writing, here's my notes. It says, uh, first of all, don't overlook God's goodness. And then I went on to say, Father, I I acknowledge your abounding goodness to me in my life, your love and your mercy and your grace. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you for being a wonderful father. So one of the things that God showed me is his goodness. God has been so good to me, I can't even describe it. I can't put into words how God has been so good to my life. I look at my life and I think, God, you gave me that life. And so his goodness has been overwhelming in my life. And then from there, I I, I begin to ride a little further. And then kind of the next thought that came to mind is that, is that so much is, is about what I should do with my life that I don't want to lose sight of who I am to become. And, and that was a significant thought to me because I, I like to do things. Anybody else? We got any other doers in the room? I'd like to find uh, significance and, and, and those things in my life by doing things. If I do something, I feel like I'm adding value to my life. Some of you are like that. Others, others of you are not like that, but this is kind of my personality, and so I just begin to think about, hey, I need to get beyond what I'm doing and focus on more who I'm becoming, and so tonight or this weekend, I want to read a passage out of John chapter 3, and this shed a lot of insight into what I think will be an insightful takeaway for all of us tonight, so John chapter 3, I'm reading beyond Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, which is usually where we stop reading in this chapter, but I'm going to be it up in John chapter 3, verse 22, and we're going to read through verse 30. Scripture says that then Jesus and his disciples, they left Jerusalem and they went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. Notice verse 24. This was before John was thrown into prison. Verse 25. So a debate breaks out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. <laughs> Don't you like that? <laughs> We're having a baptism, and then there's a little argument breaks out. All right, I love this. Notice, notice what this argument's about. Verse 26. So John's disciples came to him, and they said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you who identified as the Messiah, he's also baptizing, and by golly, everybody's going over there instead of coming to us. You you've had that time in your life, right? You're like, hey, everybody's doing that, nobody's paying attention, and so John's disciples are like, hey, that he's got a crowd. I don't know what's happening over there with that other guy you said's the Messiah. But he's got it going on. Everybody's going over there. Notice what John says in verse 27. John says this Hey, no one can receive anything unless God gives it to him from heaven. You yourselves know plainly, and I told you, I am not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom is a friend, simply is glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. Therefore, John says, I'm filled with joy at his success. Those are not easy words to say, are they? When it seems like everyone else's life is going better than yours. It's hard to rejoice if we think someone else is successful. Now here it is, verse 30. John says, these stunning I'm convinced life-changing words, and this is what I would love for you to take away tonight. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. The New King James version simplifies a little bit and says, he must increase. I must decrease. Say that with me. He must increase. I must decrease. Here in, in my little journal, that's, that's what popped off the page. That's what I began to write. That, that passage, John 3.30, is the specific passage that, that I think the Lord took me to, and, and he reminded me of something very, very significant, and that is that Jesus needs to be on the increase in our lives. I need to be on the decrease. He needs to be on the increase you see, in God's kingdom, it's this principle that, that when less can actually become more, right? That's what John's talking about. I mean, his disciples, they're bristly. They're like, man, this guy's got it going on. That dude, which, by the way, is Jesus, right? So if you think about John the Baptist, let me just give you a little bio of John the Baptist's life. We actually have a picture of, uh, of a recent event of John the Baptist. Let's see, Stuart, do you have that picture? I mean, if you think John the Baptist, right, this gives you some idea. And, and by the way, uh, recently I was in a situation where there was a man standing on a box and had a crowd around him preaching, street preaching. I walked by that man, and, and I, just, I just stopped just for a moment. And there was a time when I thought, dude, your method, that's got to go this is ridiculous people were laughing at him people were scoffing at him he actually had a microphone set up you could step up to the microphone you could ask him a question by the way this is on the huntington beach pier and 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 he had a whole thing set up had a little speaker you could ask a question and you could tell the people who were asking the questions most of them they were just trying to jab the guy he was fairly young fairly well dressed this wasn't him, by the way, and this is not John. The, you're like, we have a picture of John the Baptist. This is not John. The, but don't you kind of picture John the Baptist walking around camel's hair, eating locusts with honey? He's a different cat. Wouldn't you agree? So some things about John the Baptist that are very important is that we know he's related to Jesus. Luke chapter 1 says that he's related to Jesus. And, and the, so John's disciples are like, that guy? Yeah, that's my relative over there, right? He prepared the way for Jesus. He had questions about Jesus in Matthew 11 right before he was beheaded. Do you remember? He sent someone to ask Jesus, are you who you say you are? And then we know that John the Baptist was, be, was beheaded by Herod Antipas in Matthew 11 as well. So John the Baptist, and, and he, he's the one with this stunning announcement that Jesus must increase, I must decrease. Isaiah 43, 7. Isaiah 43, 7 is a powerful verse. It says, Bring all who claim me as their God, for I've made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Friends, this is your created purpose, to bring glory to God. You have no other reason. This is why God has formed and fashioned you and I, is that we would ultimately bring him glory. And so we must ask the question, What does that look like? How do I bring the Father glory? It's simply this, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. Bringing the Father glory means that I live my life as Jesus lived his, is that I loved others as Jesus loved others. It means that my character and my convictions and my priorities are all shaped around the person of Jesus. He must increase, I must decrease decrease. Now there are a few things in life that this principle doesn't work well with, right? So if you think about less actually becomes more, that doesn't work with all things, correct? For example, let's think about your bank account. Have you ever thought we have less money now than we've ever had? This is fantastic. Have you ever got in a vehicle when you had children or maybe your spouse? This happens in my life from time to time. You get in the vehicle, you start it up, happened with my kids a lot, especially my son. Some of you know my son. You're like, yeah, I get that, right? You turn it on, and there's no what? There's no gas. Now, that's a situation where you're like, yeah, less actually isn't best. Less isn't more. Your bank account, your gas tank, your time, right, your time with family. You've, you've never said, oh, I wish I could spend less time. Well, maybe you have said that. Let's don't go there. Your resume, right, when you put a resume together, come on. You don't intentionally leave things off that are actually legit. You might have taken the other approach, right, to kind of fill that thing in a little bit, right? So, so there are things in life are like less is actually less. But in the kingdom principle in regard to Jesus, actually less is more. Less of me and more of Jesus is a good thing. The world needs more people living and loving like Jesus, And that's what John is saying here. He's like, as the disciples are bristly, he's baptizing a lot of people over there. You know, everybody's going to his church. What's up? We're losing people. John's like, I am so joyful at the success of Jesus, my relative. Here's the thing about it. I want you to think about imagining for a moment. I want you to think about your life. Yes, think about your life, right? The unexamined life is not worth living. And I want you to think about what would it look like in your relationships with family, your close family members, right, even in your own home, people you work with, people that you spend time with, what would it look like if that entire environment, if everybody in that environment lived more like Jesus? What would your home be like? What, what what would your home be like? And you're like, you know, but the problem with my home is those people. This is how we approach it, right? It's like, hey, I actually would be more like Christ if everybody else in the house would get it together. But, but can you imagine living in a home, whoever's in your home, and that home is permeated with everything about the character of Christ? Forgiveness and love and grace and and those fruits of the Spirit, man, What that would have been an incredible place. You're like, that would be an incredible place, Pastor. But again, unless some people get it together in my tribe, it's not going to get there. Let me challenge you with this. Why don't you begin? Why don't you and I be the first person to say, you know what, he must increase, I must decrease. My goal for the next month, are you ready? For the next month is to take one characteristic from the life of Christ, one characteristic, whether it's love or grace or forgiveness or self-control, one characteristic, and say, all right, as a follower of Jesus, my vision for the next month is to incorporate that characteristics of Jesus into my life. Think about that. Do you think your life would change? Say yes. (laughs) Yeah, it would. Yeah. Your life would change, and here's the thing about that. What I know about Jesus is everybody he came into contact with, he left them better than he found them. Think about that in your own home. Are we leaving people better than we find them? That's a characteristic of Christ. So I just, I just want you to think about this and drill down a little bit and think about this idea of if he's going to increase and I'm going to decrease, what does that mean? It means the hard work of discipline of say yes, for this month in my home, I'm about forgiveness no matter what happens. I'm about serving. I'm going to make sure that the dishes are always clean. Like, Pastor, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Remember, our Savior washed people's feet. What would it look like? I want to end it, and I have another little journal writing here that happened on February the 20th. Kind of scribbled it out one morning. I'm not sure where I was. It doesn't seem as impactful as the first one. I don't think I was uh, looking over the ocean when I wrote this one that seems to help right you you know understand that <clears throat> but i begin to think about examining reflecting back to pastor rod's question what what's going on with our lives what, what why lack of fruit and and for me i was spinning too many plates and you know it's just kind of a human thing you you've been there right and and maybe again maybe you're, that's where you are now you you feel frazzled and pulled in many directions and and there's a lot going on. And, <clears throat> and so I began to think about just how how what could I do? What would God do with me to, to kind of realign the future moving forward? And and I wrote something like this <clears throat> here's what God showed me. He said that our purpose is is not so much what we are called to do, but rather who we were created to be. I want you to think about that. Our purpose, which you hear so much about, and I'm not saying it's, I believe our purpose is to bring glory to God. That's what I believe. God said, what if you, what if you, Greg, what if it's not so much about what I've called you to do? What if you focused on rather who you were created to be? That's a difference, isn't it? You see the you see the shift? Not what we do with our life, but who who are we created to be? Paul says in Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29, he tells us. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His say it with me, His purpose. Look at how He defines the purpose. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, firstborn there being rank, being in rank. What if you saw your life, not so much of what you were doing with it, and that's an important element of your life, your work, your vocation. That's important. Scripture says it's, those are important elements. I'm not saying disregard that. What I'm saying is let's don't let what we do trump who we are becoming. Who we are becoming. I don't know if you guys are <clears throat> familiar with Monty Williams. He is the coach of the Phoenix Suns. You guys familiar with Monty Williams? He's, a, he's a, an amazing coach. Obviously, they're, they're doing super well. A lot of that is my prayers, by the way. I've been fasting and praying for the Suns for years. Monty Williams is, I don't know him well, never met him, not suggesting that, but what I know of him is pretty incredible. I know that he was an assistant coach in Oklahoma City with the Thunder for a time being, and there I know that his wife was uh, tragically uh, killed in an automobile accident, and that was a difficult time, obviously, in, in Monty's life and Coach Williams, and... But then he came to Phoenix, and man, from day one, when I heard like an interview with him on the radio, he began to talk about his faith. He began to talk about his faith. One of the one things that I remember him saying was his faith, his faith in the Lord. Just last weekend, I guess it was, or two weekends ago, when it was, the the NBA All-Star Game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the All-Star Game you know what the All-Star Game is, right? There's all the amazing players in the NBA, and, and there is a, <clears throat> a man that plays for the Denver Nuggets. They call him the Joker. He's an incredible basketball player. And they were talking to him about his experience at, at the NBA All-Star Weekend. Like, hey, what, what are you gonna take away? A lot going on. He says, I'm gonna take away what an incredible man Monty Williams is. What an incredible man Coach Williams is. You see, that's a believer who understands. It's not necessarily what what we are doing, but it's who we're becoming. And that's the hard work in life. Amen? It's easier to do things. It's more difficult to become the person that God's created us to be. Who is that person? It is the image of Jesus Christ. Oswald Chambers says, in the end, it's not what a man does that is of ultimate importance, but it's who he is and what he does. It's who he is and what he does that leaves the lasting impact on the lives around him. Think about people in your life. Who do you remember Do you remember really maybe the car they drove or the house they lived in? I'm talking about people who made an impact on your life. Were they wealthy? Were they they poor? Were they tall? Were they short? A lot of that you may not remember, but there was something about their life that you remember, the person that they were. How could you, this week, become less, so that Jesus could become more. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for just a time of being together and just worshiping and singing, and Lord, just the beauty of that. And Lord, we don't know tonight why we are here Lord, we, we can't fathom why we are here in this place and it's nice, it's comfortable. We've, we've had a chance to sing and to worship and to fellowship and eat, even enjoy some refreshments. We've had the opportunity to, to just look into the scriptures and, and learn more about you to help us learn more about us. Father, we don't understand why other people Are in various situations, whether physically, mentally, emotionally. We don't understand those things, Lord. But what we do understand is that we need to seize the opportunity. Paul says, Be wise, be careful. Do not live a thoughtless life, but understand what your will is. So, Father, we come to you understanding that certainly it's important what we do, but it's more important who we are. Reflecting the image and the character of Jesus Christ is the primary, the primary priority, I believe, in your scriptures. So, Lord, I pray tonight, if what we believe isn't changing who we're becoming, may we re-examine those beliefs. Father, we bless you, we honor you. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.